And I'm deeply proud of the work she's doing as First Lady with Joining Forces Initiative. She started with Michelle Obama when she was Vice President and now carries on. Republicans seek to take control of the House of Representatives. Republicans are going to retake both the House and Senate. A liberal MSNBC host warning Democrats about the potential for a red wave. Do we have any sort of canary in the coal mine type indications of where we may be headed on that front? Fox News is calling the Virginia governor's race for Republican Glenn Youngkin. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this... Welcome back to the Ruthless Variety Program. You know, I'm starting to wonder, fellas, like, uh, the intro to the show, like, where's the line between comedy and elder abuse? I, I was thinking the exact same <laughs> like, thing. Are we starting to... Are we there? Do we cross it? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> it is sundowning. I mean, like, if, if, if it was like... <laughs> if it was Thanksgiving and you had someone in your family acting like this guy, everyone would start like looking around the table, and then like you know after dinner you're having a coffee, being like, "What are we gonna do about right. it?" Right? They, they you be, know, like they be, they be they be calling up a, a place for mom. Yeah, yeah no, you know? no. It, 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 handing out brochures, being like, "It's time." They'd be we, like, "Well, he can't. We can't let him even drive home, right, guys? Like, which, he can't drive a car." And then we've got we've got this guy running the country. Apparently. Which one of the siblings has to break it to mom? Exactly. That dad's got to go to the home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Be like, did you guys hear him? He was he having a stroke like live he, he thinks his <sighs> wife was vice president it's every day i mean in fa- look in fairness his vice president who is much younger and is not suffering from some sort of a dementia i we don't think there's uh, a brain disorder but it's not age <laughs> you're saying it might be contagious there's, i mean there's something wrong there too there's something going on <laughs> i mean she's no better no i mean and i i remember a couple things like when we had trump as president you had all the libs crying like this is not normal when it was just like another day, you know, like people are just going to work, living their lives like this is not normal. But truly, this is not this normal. This is like, not normal. When, I, I, when NATO people are calling over like, did that guy just say the U.S. is about to drop chemical bombs? <laughs> and like he told the troops they're about to go into Ukraine. Like what's happening? Is uh, is is Dr. Jill Biden the first doctor vice president? I Sure. Uh, yeah. So? I mean, I think I think that's probably the case. I, it, it's amazing. Well, like I mean, an, it's like an honorarium. She's also if, now if, also if she vice was president. actually a doctor, she'd have like the Hippocratic oath to like get this guy some help. Like she wouldn't allow this to happen. <laughs> <way. laughs> like, no, she's not a real doctor. <laughs> the Hippocratic oath would prevent her from carrying on. You can't oh. allow this to happen. Oh, I love it. Well, as you can tell, we got a nice episode coming for you today. <laughs> Uh, our sponsor, you've heard from them before, Save Our States. Uh, we're going to have Trent England, who runs that joint, with us a little later in the program for an important update there. Uh, listen, Smug, uh, where do we stand with Hack Madness? Okay, so uh, we are now in the final four. Voting is underway. As you're hearing this, it will conclude around, let's say, you know, a little bit before 4 p.m. on Tuesday. So if you're listening to this before then... Get on, you know, the, the Ruthless Podcast Twitter account's got it. Vote online. Uh, let me let me run it down right now who we have there. Um, well, we've got Brian Stelter versus Rick Wilson. I mean, you've got just powerhouses only left at Powerhouse. this point. Powerhouse, yeah. And, and the other game, you've got Jen Rubin versus Joy Reid. I mean, <laughs> yeah. What a matchup. I mean, it's really come down to this, you know. The fat has been trimmed. It's just absolute brain worms. Some surprises in there, though. I mean, yeah, I mean, a, a lot, you know, I was surprised by a lot of things like um, uh, Taylor Lorenz, I thought would have gone further. Yeah. Well, I, you know, and I feel like 
she made her push a little late. Yeah, she I, got I, bounced, and then she started making headlines. That's that's the shame of it. Is uh, and it's really funny. So uh, for folks who don't you know follow the media thing daily as closely as we do, she went on MSNBC and was talking about how like, uh, oh, it's awful how people are mean to her online when her job is basically just like finding regular people and trying to get them to lose their jobs for like grandma posted on a Trump Facebook page. She should be like harassed and, and, and forced into hiding. Um, and then you know, the, the beauty of, so, so Taylor Lorenz is having this interview on MSNBC and she like, you know, breaks down crying. I don't even think it was real crying. It was kind of funny, honestly, but then she follows this up with a tweet being like, uh, if any network is interviewing someone about you know online harassment and that results in more online harassment, that network hasn't done their job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so she threw MSNBC under the bus. Not right? bro. <laughs> this is like a pattern. So like you know, New York Times fault. pays her top dollar. She bounces, throws them under the bus. You know, it's like her favorite thing to do and is what? to have all these media companies kiss her ass and they then all, push them in right, front of a train. Right. So uh, it's the people's fault. It's also the media's fault, and also. The the MSNBC who gave her the story about the harassment, it's also their fault. It's incredible. <laughs> At what point is it maybe a little bit her fault? Yeah. Right? What's the common denominator in all these problems? Crazy person. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, so yeah, I thought I thought it should should have gone deeper, but like you said, it was it was too late. She'd already been bounced by that point. But I mean typical, for these, typical Gen Xer masquerading as a zoomer. Incredible, right? A deep Gen Xer. <laughs> Not even a border. Silent line. generation. Um, <laughs> But, I mean, it's all powerhouses. It's all powerhouses. Oh, man. Well, we also had the opportunity yesterday of once again joining Megyn Kelly for a wonderful discussion. I encourage you to check that out. It's on her YouTube station. You probably already heard it on SiriusXM. Uh, we always have a blast with her, don't we? Dude, it's a lot of fun. She's great. Yeah, she really is. And it, it's just, it's a fun banner. It's like, you know, it becomes so familiar after a while. You feel like she's just part of cast and crew here. Right. I know she's very, very busy. Yeah. But if she's ever in D.C., I would do anything to have her in studio here for a ride along. Oh, that's a great idea. It would idea. be a great idea. That episode would be phenomenal. It would be a phenomenal. great idea. Yeah. And we're going to have some more ride alongs here in the future that we'll, we'll discuss. We've got some people coming into studio. We're going to love every minute of it. Uh, should we start by the five stars, fellas? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, who wants to start? Smug, you want to start? Sure. Uh, this is from BWAMF. Uh, makes me look psychotic on the regular. Five-star review. Uh, single at home, Texas mom who listens with earbuds while working, and I regularly cackle out loud. Perfect. Th- this is the only political podcast among many I listen to that makes me laugh so much, or at all the others are so serious. I love the animal news, and I would market a Hank the Tank t-shirt if I was more motivated. <laughs> the laughing is just infectious, but I'd give your uh, March 30th guest, uh, Grover, Cleveland the Muppet, I don't care, maybe two stars. I can assure you property taxes in Texas, though possibly a lower percentage than many places in the nation, will give you a sticker shock every year. They're painful, and no state income tax comes nowhere near offsetting them. Just the truth. I, I, I remember yeah. when I was looking at property, those property taxes are insane in Texas. They are pretty it's high. nuts. They are pretty high. I mean, that is the trade-off. You know, Florida's got not insignificant property taxes, too. It's a trade-off you have when you don't have income tax. But, you know, it is a, it's a real thing. No question about it. Uh, Dunks, do you got another uh, review yeah, here? Yeah. Legends is the title oh, here. Oh, I like that. Wow. From Kristen Kirk. You guys are the click and clack of politics. The hilarity and insight from those two kings filled our Saturday mornings when I was growing up with my dad guffawing his way 
through their weekly auto show. This was Car Talk, I think, is this what oh, this yeah, is a okay. reference to. Yeah. But great, that was a great show. Um, <clears throat> I've been thinking how my late father would have loved listening to your clever banter. You could have been a balm to his soul, and I wish he w- he'd had the chance to hear you. Oh, that's nice. Keep up the good work. I'll keep wheezing my way through your podcast while I cook dinner and keep the mildly obnoxious but totally endearing family tradition alive for my kids. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> I love reviews like that. That's fantastic. Fellas, I've got one more. Oh, no, no, oh, no, here we go. no. Another five star. Yeah, hold se- on, hold how on. How self-serving is this one? This I, I, not, I, I noticed this... we didn't talk about this one in the production meeting. This, nope. this one does not name me specifically. <laughs> Here's the headline. This is, by the way, from Bakes73. Thank you, Bakes. <laughs> Excellence in broadcasting is back. Five-star review. <laughs> the Ruthless Crew continues to educate and entertain with a consistency matched by few. While I feel they are amazing, one of the oh, Ruthless <laughs> stands out. You know what <laughs> You notice he's working a little harder on the voice on this? I know it. His wise, yeah, let me just finish here. <laughs> His wise words and quick wit are, in my opinion, light years ahead of the others. <laughs> this is incredible. I will not mention him by name, <laughs> but want him to know I will buy him a bowl of Skyline Chili anytime. <laughs> I love it. He's got like a, a a thing going with friends and family on the five stars. You think so? Well, yeah. thank, thank you, Bake seventy three. I mean, it was nice. So, so they said like uh, their favorite member of the crew. Notice they didn't say cast. So like, I, I'm glad everyone recognizes you've got your technical crew. A word from our got, social media director. <laughs> you've got you've got you know front camera staff. Just make sure you so, tweet about this episode so absolutely. everybody can see it. <laughs> but you've been doing a pretty good job. You know, I mean, the episodes sound great lately. Really good. So this I is, the, this is the part of the show where I feel like the judge and jury. <laughs> <laughs> just push back from the table and take it all in. No, isn't it fun, though? Yeah, it's fantastic. It's great. It's fantastic. Uh, all right. So you all probably saw this. I noticed with great intrigue, as I imagine Smug did, too, who is a, a man, of, as Ashbrook would say, of Twitter, um, that Elon Musk became the largest shareholder yesterday. Um, significant for a lot of reasons, but the, the run-up to this, I think, it was what made me laugh so much. So on March 25, he tweets out, the question is, free speech is essential to democracy. Do you believe Twitter rigorously adheres to this principle? And it's like, yes or no question, right? A Twitter poll. And then he, he, he replies to it and says, uh, the consequences of this poll will be important. Please vote carefully. <laughs> No wins 70% to 29%, right? So it's, I mean, it's like a, it's a blowout. And two weeks later, he buys the damn thing. <laughs> so I, I have a, this might be more of a like nuts and bolts take. I'm really curious about when he began accumulating the shares, you know? Uh, that's a, a very significant Yeah, you can't position. do that overnight. You can't just, you know, if someone, if there was that much volume in Twitter, people would be like, okay, something's happening here. Um, my question, and, and Elon has had his brushings with the SEC off his tweets. He had some really, I mean, they were f- hilarious, hilarious tweets that he had in the past that like the SEC was not okay with. So I'm pretty sure he knows what he's doing. He wouldn't, you know, t- 
try to do something as ridiculous as let's say you know hitting the share price with a pull like that and then trying to buy shares on the cheap um but in terms of like just just the size of it so he's got 9.2 percent of the company which is enormous stake that's an enormous stake that's rough that's uh, almost five times larger than jack's stake oh. that jack has in twitter it's huge huge stake wait five the jack you're you're talking about the founder yeah, of the yeah company. Jack, jack dorsey i think he owns about two and a half percent yep. right yep that's wild you gotta be kidding yeah yeah well and clearly you wouldn't do this in like a private sale sort of thing because it seems like his interest here is probably hostile to the Twitter, uh, their current exec suite. Yeah, I, I, think it was, I, I think it was that hedge fund Elliott Management, right? That uh, a couple of years back got a stake in Twitter and was like, we, we want to get a new CEO because Jack is more focused on Square um, than he is on Twitter. That, you know, when he was running mm-hmm. both companies at the same time, um, which I think they had a bit of a point. And, you know, down the road, Eventually, they got what they wanted, but Elon's stake is is much larger than what they had at the time. So he can he can absolutely, you know, he can make moves. Well, you know forward. what's really funny though about this is like every lib who you know when the, when uh, Trump was kicked off Twitter, they're like you know every platform they're a private company they get to decide what their rules, oh, yeah. rules are in the terms of if Elon Musk gets reinstates to, him? To, to the to the point where he can get a majority vote, suddenly all those libs are going to be like. This this company's to be taken over nationalized. <laughs> so true. Yeah, Immediately. Point. I mean, the other thing is that like it'll be a threat to democracy. Twitter will become a threat to uh, democracy. Hundred yeah. percent. And to get like you know everyone who's got a four hundred one k or whatever, you know, once a year or every quarter, you'll get that mail where it's like, hey, you know, as a shareholder of Amazon, this is when they're going to have yeah, a right. little phone conference, you know, for their you know results. Uh, of course, they're not going to pick anyone. You know, unless you have like a, a, a institutional size stake in a company, but the thing is, is that in the past, Elon has shown if he if he mentions like Dogecoin, it just skyrockets. Yeah, people will start snapping. He's a market it up. mover. Already, you saw once this news broke, you know, people started buying up in the in the market. You had players who started buying up shares of Twitter. If he were to like tweet out something like, "Hey, if you want Twitter to become you know a, a space of." true free speech once more you know join me let's try to get ourselves oh yeah he a could big he enough could stake it could change things i mean he could really you know shake things up it could definitely guys change things. guys twitter is up 26.57 percent yeah. holy wow. shit yeah. really yeah boy talk about a market mover wow wow well it's something that, that, to keep an eye that's on to, that's today mm-hmm. they have been the worst offender in my in my view of very selective prosecution of content. Um, there are a lot of bad, bad actors in that space. There's some that try hard. Like I think, I think Facebook by and large tries pretty hard to, to figure out where the happy medium is. I don't agree with any of it, frankly, but, but there are some companies that try and then Twitter, which I think tries to be as egregious as it possibly can. Like they, they have, they have done everything they can do to silence conservatives time and time again. Well, yeah, I mean, you have to think of what the core business of Twitter is, and that is like the leading edge for like media and industry people. I mean, you've got like you've got like film Twitter, you've got politics Twitter, you got news Twitter. So so a lot of these decisions, I uh, what I think makes Twitter unique, I guess, is what I'm trying to get to here is like the journalists 
are actually like the tip of the spear. Yeah, they're on in, there. In driving deter- it. In, yeah, in determining policy because they're the people who are generating the content. 100%. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's just sort of different than, say, like a Facebook where it's more organic from the user base. Yeah, right. I mean, the, the drivers of the content aren't the... Are gatekeepers themselves. Exactly. Exactly. It's fascinating. Can and we talk about a different kind of content? Let me. I, there's, yeah, there's, there's a couple of things I just wanted to, to wrap this up. So um, Jack and Elon have been friends for like a number of years. Mm. And what I've been told from some folks in the know is that Jack was really, uh, you know, everyone thought it was Jack who was behind the whole like woke Yep. You know, shut down of conservatives. Actually, it, it was he was against it, and that was part of the reason why he left, mm. is he wasn't happy with it. Um, and then on April 2nd, he, he tweets out, uh, the days of Usenet, IRC, the web, even email with PGP were amazing. Centralizing discovery and identity into corporations really damaged the internet. I realize I'm partially to blame, and I regret it. Which wow. is kind of like... Oh, wow, interesting. That's, that's yeah, surprising. Putting it out there. And then what's really interesting is uh, the tweet he had right before that, March 24th, is a quote retweet of Elon. Elon tweets out, Twitter algorithm should be more open source. And Jack says, the choice of which algorithm to use or not should be open to everyone. So, mm. Wow, maybe there's a partnership. Maybe there's something there. Maybe well, there is. However, I would say, look, if I was Jack Dorsey and I created a platform like Twitter, as powerful as it is, you would have to take it from my cold, dead hand yeah. if I really believed in it. Like, I think it's kind of lame for him to leave and now come back and, after complain the fact about it. and complain about it. Yeah. That's just my personal opinion. I would never do that. I mean, that's weak. But if I got thrown out, I'd burn <clears throat> it to the ground, which it appears like yeah. he's doing. No, in, also, fa- in, in fairness, in fairness. <laughs> in, in, yeah. in, in my opinion, he was an awful CEO. He did a shit job running the company. The stock speaks for itself. I think it's gone up more since Elon announced he's taken a stake than it did during the past like three years. Which is incredible. Dude, right? it's, a, it's, a ver- it's a vertical bar today. It's a vertical bar. Yeah. I mean, Jack Dorsey had no idea how to run that company. You know, didn't know what he was doing. I was told from a lot of folks for a number of years, he's been completely disinterested. All his energy, focus, and everything was on Square. Well, you can understand if the wokes are in your ear all day long. I mean, it just, it wears you down, you know? I got it with just the corporate America. Well, here's the thing. Uh, Twitter is not the only uh, vertical bar uh, right now. Oh. There's there oh. is another oh. asset class that has taken off within the last year, and those that is uh, those are artworks by uh, the son of the president, Hunter Biden. <laughs> <laughs> Every, Excellent segue. Ev- everything, everything, incredible he, segue. Everything he paints seems to uh, seems to just take off. He's a Picasso of our age. <laughs> And the L- Secret L- Service L- has noticed. The L- Secret Service, <laughs> who is paid by you, the listener, they have noticed. And what they've done is they've sought to protect him. Uh, they've sought to protect this artist to the tune of $30,000 a month at a mansion in Malibu. Because if you're putting an artist in witness protection, Malibu is the place where you place them. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this is a story from ABC News, which, uh, you know, typically the president's family is afforded some level of Secret Service detail. Now, typically those people don't live in a mansion in Malibu and require the Secret Service to rent a $30,000 <laughs> Malibu beachfront mansion in order to monitor the subject of of uh, the family. Well, that's what's happened here. ABC News uncovered it. The, the funny thing to me about that, I mean, there isn't a day that goes by where there's not something devastating from, from Hunter Biden. 
And like, I got no sympathy for Joe Biden. Trust me. But can you imagine working in that White House press office oh, I can't where imagine. every single day you're like, oh, Jesus. I mean, this guy makes Billy Carter looks like look like Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> I mean, every single thing he touches is just shit. Well, it depends on how you're looking at it, because when he touches a canvas, it's gold. <laughs> Somehow. It's, it's how you know the Clintons are like are the real deal and the Bidens are a joke. Because if like I mean, if Hunter was in the Clinton family, Aced like him. like. He would have he would have hung himself by now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> He'd have been. We're joking, laughing. He, he would have been. He would have been. Parody. Vince, he would have been Vince Foster with the gun in the wrong hand. Parody. 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 We're laughing. Parody. It's joking. <laughs> but like, uh, unfortunately, he hung himself with five bullets in the back of his head. <laughs> Who knew this guy would do something? Like this? But in all seriousness, yeah, they can't get this guy to go away. So I want. I think there should be a little more investigation to this. Like. Who owns this place that they're running out? It wouldn't surprise me if it's like a Biden donor and they're kicking 10% to the big guy. Oh, you guy. think they're double like, dipping? <laughs> I would not be surprised. They oh. always operate with 10% to the big guy. That's the like, rule of thumb. <laughs> 10% for the big guy. Well, we'll stay on that. Uh, you know how we love that storyline. Um, but let's first get to our interview with Trent England, talking about a very serious subject of protecting our electoral college. And the national popular vote, horrible idea with Save Our States. I want to welcome back to the program uh, an interesting guy, Trent England, who, as you recall from previous episodes, uh, runs an outfit called Save Our States. And one of the things that they are primarily responsible for is uh, uh, literally saving the American democracy. Um, and I mean that literally not in the way that the left talks about our democracy. Um, they keep their eye on this national popular vote nonsense and protect the electoral college, uh, which we've talked about quite a bit on the program. Trent, welcome back. Hey, I'm super glad to be here. Thanks. So give us an update, pal. What's the, what's the latest in your world? You know, I mean, you, you've got the left out there still, you know, beating the drum on quote unquote democracy. And, you know, as as you suggest, right? It's not actually the American idea of democracy. It's some other idea of democracy that always seems to serve, uh, you know, power for the left. But uh, but you've also got some conservatives out there who get co-opted by this. And it's my, you know, my latest uh, my latest outrage is a piece that ran at town hall by Rachel Alexander, where I mean, she's she's trying to peddle this idea that the national popular vote compact is somehow good for conservatives. And it's, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. They cherry pick these examples um, of, you know, states like Arizona where conservatives are frustrated because, you know, it looks like we're not doing as well in Arizona and they forget that conservatives are doing great in Florida. We're doing great in Texas. Uh, I think we're doing great across the country, frankly, but you know, this argument that, the conservatives need to be scared and trying to change the constitution as a way to cling to uh, power that we don't even have right now. I, I just, I, I think it's, it's really strange. Well, I don't, I, yeah. I don't understand the arc. Like fundamentally, I don't understand the argument. I mean, well, it's this old blue wall argument. I mean, it's, you know, if you go back 20 years and I, I have this really vivid memory of, of literally like 22 years ago, listening to somebody from Brookings say, well, de demography is destiny. And because America is becoming more diverse, Democrats are going to win everything all the time at some future point. That was which, why we needed comprehensive immigration reform, right? Because <laughs> Mechanics would never vote Republican. 
Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, it's, it, it is an idea that has been proven false time and time again. That is, you know, I mean, ought to be offensive to minorities, but really to all Americans, but you know, you, you got, like I say, I mean, you've got people on the right purportedly who sort of pick this up. I mean, I, I agree. It's, it's crazy. Well, it just seems it seems so nuts just because, you know, look, as a quick recap for our audience, this national popular vote idea. I mean, if you cut to the quick on what ultimately this could mean, it's that you elect a president entirely in the coasts of this country and you neglect the entire center of the country, all of the states in, in the United States of America and their ability to actually choose an outcome and and destroy the electoral college. I mean, I know that they get at it in a more sophisticated way than I'm describing it, but that's the gist of it. Well, and that's, I mean, and that's the whole purpose of it, right? I mean, this, this national popular vote campaign was people who wanted to get rid of the electoral college, but they're savvy enough to understand that amending the constitution is really hard. And so they tried to find a way around that. I mean, if they could, if they could get rid of the electoral college, they, that's exactly what they would do. I mean, that's, that's the whole purpose here. But instead, they, you know, they found this way to get states to pass legislation, to join this interstate compact. And if they get enough states, it has the effect of nullifying the Electoral College. And frankly, you know, my, my concern here is, I mean, that's a terrible idea. The compact in some ways is like the worst of all possible worlds because it would be un- unstable. But I think a lot of it's the, the uh, strategy that led to the 17th Amendment a century ago, which is you just keep throwing sand in the gears, right? The left is always, they're throwing sand in the gears in terms of this national popular vote compact, all of their rhetorical attacks on checks and balances in general and the electoral college and, you know, things like the filibuster. And, you know, what they want is at some point for Americans to throw up their hands and say, fine, we'll, we'll change the constitution because you guys have screwed things up so much that, that, you know, that seems like the only out. And, you know, we, we try to explain to Americans, the Electoral College is, is fine. It, it works great. Um, it gives states some latitude, right? We don't, we don't need to nullify it. We don't need to abolish it. Um, it's, it's a great system that's actually been copied by other countries. Yeah, it's also elected the last two Republican presidents. Right? <laughs> that's, I mean, that's true too. Call it what it is. I mean, if, if you had a purely national popular vote, uh, Clearly, Donald Trump wouldn't have been elected. Uh, George W. Bush wouldn't have been elected. Yeah, that's that's right. And, uh, you know, and in those cases, the Electoral College worked exactly as it was designed to work. Exactly. Right. So, yeah. so these people get away with calling those like wrong winner elections or Electoral College misfires. I mean, and that, that's total BS. The Electoral College did what it was supposed to do. It, it protected us from being ruled by a regional coalition, you know, in this case of a handful of big cities on the coast. It's, it's, it's amazing to me how these people, you know, the, the funny thing is, is when they talk about sort of electoral reform and, and voting rights and, and all the nonsense that they talk about, including national popular vote, ultimately what the left's trying to do is rig the game, right? I mean, this isn't, this isn't really about any sort of representation or a problem that we have with the electoral college is that they haven't won a hundred percent of the time. Yeah, no, that's, that's right. I mean, they, they look at, you know, whatever these systems are, I mean, everybody knows, right. When, when gerrymandering works for the left, 
It's not even gerrymandering, right? When the filibuster right. works for the left, it's it's good checks and balances that protect minority rights, right? When the electoral college, they think it's going to work for them. I mean, Al Gore thought he was going to lose the popular vote and win the electoral college, and he had his campaign attorneys drop a memo explaining why the electoral college is legitimate and important. Right? <laughs> um, I mean, when this stuff works for the other side, it's it's mom and apple pie, and then when it goes the other way, I mean, you know, they're like this stuff is all racism and slavery. And I mean, it's, it's so disingenuous. It's, it's wild that more people don't just see through it. And, you know, frankly, that, that more of the media that's supposed to be out there, you know, asking hard questions. I mean, they just, they just pass on the leftist talking points on all this stuff. And, you know, we've got generations of Americans who are really miseducated about what democracy is, what a republic is, you know, why we have a constitution in the first place. Yeah, no, that's 100%. And if you needed any further indication, you look at like the Georgia voting rights bill and and basically the way that was characterized by the by the media and their friends in corporate <laughs> America. Just incredible. So Trent, tell me what what specifically are you guys working on these days? Yes, so I mean, one of the things that we've done that speaks to all everything we've been talking about is we produced a documentary called Safeguard, an electoral college story um, it's, it's out there free for people to watch on uh, the Tubi streaming service. It's on Amazon. If people have uh, Amazon Prime video, they can watch it there for free. Uh, just going through, I mean, it's a full length feature documentary, lots of great folks in there. Steve Forbes is in there and Alan Gelzo and Tara Ross and, you know, some, some people who really get why we have states, why we have all these checks and balances, and particularly why we have the Electoral College. And I, I like it because, you know, it's designed to speak to people on both sides of the aisle. You know, we talk about how it's, uh, you know, it helps Republicans, it helps Democrats, right? It, it, you know, it helps a lot of minority groups achieve representation in our political system. Uh, so that's out there, safeguard an electoral college story. It's a great way for people to, you know, just educate themselves about everything we've been talking about here. You know, why, why do we have this constitutional system? And why does it matter that people are out there trying to, to tear it up? That's great. Well, for people who want to learn more about Save Our States and what you guys are up to, where can they find you? Yeah, we're at saveourstates.com or they can search for Save Our States. Uh, we're on, on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Trent England. And yeah, I'd love to connect with folks. Perfect. Trent, thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks. Okay. Well, thanks for that. Uh, really good, really good update. I, uh, first of all, let me just wrap that by saying I can't believe there's a single conservative that thinks it's a good idea to eliminate the Electoral College. That's absolute madness. Absolute madness. But it comes up, as Trent said. I mean, it comes up. People people get bamboozled into thinking this is a good idea. Like, why a, shouldn't California and New York decide everything for America? Yeah, right. no, that sounds like a great idea. They've like, been so you, good at doing <laughs> local policy. Who do you think your voters are, dude? Right. Like, like what conservative thinks that's a good idea? I, I can't figure it out. I can't. I mean, I, I can't imagine it because we see conservatives get bamboozled all the time into saying things that they don't really believe because it gets them friends in the cocktail circuit. Yeah, right. Right. Just, I think this is one of those types of issues. But it's a structural mm-hmm. issue. I, anyway. Right. I mean, it's it's it, it, we'll keep talking about it. I mean, it just it, it really goes back to libs to get their way. They always just want to change the rules. That's if, right. If they can't secure 12 victories, they just want to change the rules. They want to pack the Supreme Court. Right. They yep. want to, you know, get rid of the Electoral College. Anything that stands in the way of their absolute power, they just want to take over. Yeah, 100%. Um, all right, so uh, this comes from the Daily Star in the UK. The world's first space hotel to open in 2027 with, quote, activities you can't do on Earth, unquote. 
Uh, let me just read a quick summary. The cool news is that the world's first space hotel is ready to open its doors in 2027. While it might seem like a long time away, plans for the cruise ship style hotel kicked off uh, around three years ago. Uh, according to the Gateway Foundation, the accommodation would float above the Earth's atmosphere. So it, it was, I think we're talking about fake space here, Smog. I'm, I'm looking at it carefully right now. Yeah. I, so as hotels, uh, here's, here's the question I have. As hotels go, are, are we thinking more Red Roof Inn <laughs> or Ritz-Carlton? <laughs> well, I mean, the Ritz-Carlton isn't even the Ritz-Carlton anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's just such a classic smug take. I mean, if, I'm just saying, if you've been there lately, like I think they're bought by what? They're, Mar- they're Marriott now, right? I think they're, that's they're, right. Yeah, I mean, well, you can absolutely tell. Like, <laughs> private equity companies run that place through, optimize the like fucking mini bar. Oh, you've it's got not the, the same. They have a mini bar problem now. I mean, it's you know what I mean. It's completely. No, I want to know what you mean. You walk into your room and you're like, okay, I know for a fact consultants have decided every single way to make this the most cost effective. Like, there's no thought put into it. Right. You're not staying. No at, special feature. You're not. A, you're yeah. not a guest. You're like, you know customer x you know during this season who we anticipate will have this number of towels needed like it, it had the service has gone out the window you're just staying at another place just another place i like when they when they when they have this they have the signs about how they're they have their going green initiative so like don't ask for a clean towel. Yeah. Like, oh, like, I hate that. Like, we're, we're, we're all in this together, and it's like, no, you just want to save money. What yeah. are you we're talking all about? In this together. I just want a fucking bath towel. Yeah. It's like, sorry, I'm not a hippie. I, I, I prefer hygiene over this bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> we're all in this together with my $700 a night room right, fee. Right. 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 <laughs> Incredible. Well, so we don't have clarification on that, but it is an interesting concept, right? So they put this thing together, uh, fashioned sort of like as a flying cruise ship. Where they take people into space. Uh, a couple of quotes here. Uh, we're going to have a number of different recreation activities and games that'll highlight the fact that you're able to do things you can't do on Earth. Uh, because of the weightlessness and the reduced gravity, you'll be able to jump higher and be able to lift things and be able to run in ways that you can't on Earth. Hold the phone. So, isn't space no gravity well so an important point of clarification i'm glad you asked that because the way that this is set up is orbital like it would comprise this is from the article comprise of 24 modules connected by elevator shafts uh, to make up a rotating wheel simulating gravity towards the edges so it's sort of spit so do you ever see the movie interstellar yeah right so so i mean like what's happening is it's spinning and it's through centripetal force creating a gravity in and of itself, right? And so you can simulate a gravity in that way. Looking at this picture, I would empty my bank account to do this. You would you would do it. I love space so much. <laughs> what caught my attention is the cruise ship reference. And I think we're just maybe 20, 30 years away from Bill Crystal showing up <laughs> in black socks selling a selling a they go uh, on a cruise yeah, and right. learn why we should attack mars yeah <laughs> i can't that's pretty good that's pretty good but you know i i kind of have a thing i don't like cruise ships that much yeah not, it's a disgusting a, idea it's a, it's a poop boat it's basically. a disgusting idea how long are these things supposed to be up there i don't see so that I, I, I went on the actual website for the company and i am insanely skeptical insanely skeptical this looks like i mean i don't know who they're 
who they're targeting this for. It does, it's very light on details. I am skeptical that they can get this done in 2027. Yeah, number one, that's an insane timeline to get something like this done. And now the, the only specifications they're giving is like uh, payload mass, 11 kilograms. This this thing's going to weigh 11 kilograms? You've got a car that's roughly like 2 kilograms. This is the weight of 5 cars. What the hell kind of a hotel is this? What kind this? of hotel are we talking about like, here? Uh, Clearly no buffet. It's not <laughs> even like a tiny house. Like, right. W- w- What's going on here? The picture is hilarious. There's like a chandelier and a king size. Yeah, bed. like from they put up these like you know artist rendition of like I I don't know where you're getting this idea from you know, uh, <laughs> given that scale. I I mean if if there were to be a real like space hotel, I would a hundred percent be in for it. That would be super cool. Um, what they like have a theory of what they would like to accomplish? Totally. I think that's absolutely awesome. By 2027, I mean. Come on, that's five years in the future. Think of, think of what technological breakthroughs we've had in the past five years relative to today. Maybe, maybe. your iPhone screen's gotten bigger. <clears throat> Listen, guys, I mean, there you right, go. Seriously. So, like, yeah, but in five inter- years we got space hotels. Ah, okay, got it. in their defense, the International Space Station's been up there forever. I mean, like, once you get something into orbit, you could create the rest of it. I, I just let me believe. Let yeah. me believe. I want it. Here's the other thing. Maybe Biden's going to pay for it. You know, we all know he's looking for a way to get Kamala Harris off That's right. planet. <laughs> he, he proposed. What did and he say? A, he was yeah, like, the, he wants to get the first well, woman of for, color on the moon. This, like, is from, <laughs> this is from the Free Beacon, which, of course, is, is where Foldy works and is a harbinger for incredible journalism all over the place. But they went through Biden's budget that he released two weeks ago. And there's I'm not making this up, guys. There's a $7.5 billion line item to, quote, land the first woman and person of color on the moon, unquote. Oh, he's, he's sending Kamala up. <laughs> he's, he's had <laughs> enough. It's like, I'm She's really so stupid. You got to like, go, lady. He's <laughs> like, I may be sundowning and headed for a nursing home, but this lady does not belong on my ticket next <laughs> it's time. It's just, it's so fun. It's so funny because, you know, in this administration, we've talked about this a lot in the program. Every terrible job he's delegated to he's her. Given yes. her every- <laughs> this is it. To the moon, Alice. <laughs> that's, that's what's happening here. I mean, it's it'd be the only way. Really, it's the only way. I mean, she, number one, wants him gone, you know. Oh, I mean, yeah. She wants him gone. I mean, it's the only way he could really save himself. Hell. Oh, my god. Or she goodness. could be president of a new planet. Yeah, that's right. The moon. Think of the opportunity. All the thoughtful discussions and leading of people this could be you if if that's the whole thing is like okay we have to get a woman of color that's become like the new thing they should just send you know ketanji to the moon (laughs) she could let any of those aliens who've been probing people off the hook super easy oh Oh, Oh, i did not see that coming (laughs) a full scotus attack Yikes! Oh, the probe. I mean, you know, she's like, "Hey, listen, if you commit some disgusting crime, why not just let you out?" Today? Oh my God, that's a nice transition. <laughs> All right, let's get into a serious topic for a minute on supply chain. Short because you know, look, this administration—I'm not sure what they're talking about, but they're—they're they're definitely never talking about the things that are actually our problems, right? And we've talked uh, ad nauseum about inflation and supply chain issues and your inability to get things and anybody who has had to buy a new car lately (sighs) holy cats let me just tell you that that process they literally there's you can walk into a dealership and they have like fine print underneath the car they're like the car that you get may not have functional features 
because they don't have any semiconductors. It's unbelievable. Chips, you know it's unbelievable. I mean? Even the used cars are. I mean, the 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 price on these things are unfreaking believable. They're all going like over sticker. Like if you have a, a, a used car from like four years ago, you can sell more than like you did you paid for it. Yeah, but unless you ordered a car in 2012, you're not getting. Yeah, it. good and, luck. And, you know, forget, can't replace it. Forget negotiating with a salesman because you walk in and you're like, "Hey, well, what I would like is this," and he's like, "Okay, I got one on my lot," and you're like, "Geez, my car's about to blow," and he's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Looks like you're paying over MSRP. Yeah, the, the seats don't work and the windows don't roll down, but here you go, pal. <laughs> I mean, that, Consider that's, yourself lucky. That's like a that's become like a mini controversy is um there's this there's this great website and Twitter account I follow. It's called Bring a Trailer. Where okay. it's basically like, you know, you bring a tra- it's ba- people will list their cars that they have. You can find some like rare wild stuff out there. And basically the whole deal is like, you know, you win the bidding process, bring a trailer, it's yours, you know? And uh, it's fun to watch that account. You'll, the, the wildest, rarest cars, you know, you'll find uh, on there. But apparently, a lot of dealers have been putting their cars on there instead of trying to sell them for a sticker. Because people are bidding the hell. Because people up. will bid the hell out of it. Yeah. Like you know, they're selling G wagons for a hundred thousand over sticker. Wow, wow. really? There. Yeah. That's Holy crazy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, good like good luck getting a car. It's like the article right here. It's saying. Um, uh, supply chain shortage killing American cars and jobs. It says Ford Mustang and Chevy Camaro production has been suspended. Like, yeah, they. they I mean, if suspended. that is not like the story of the dire straits Joe Biden has America in, where like a Mustang and a Camaro cannot be made. I Ford come is, on, man. Ford is suspending the production plant at its Fort Rock assembly plant, which currently only builds the Mustang, while GM's Lansing Grand River assembly facility will suspend the production of Camaro in the Cadillac CT4 and CT5 uh, sedans. Oh, my God. I mean, they're just straight-up suspending production. Yeah. Do you do you remember when uh, Obama was running for re-election in 2012? And the, the Biden uh, quip was, their, their tagline for the campaign was, Osama bin Laden is dead and General Motors is alive. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah, I remember that. Now he managed to kill General Motors. Uh, it's just incredible. It's like, you know, General Motors is dead and Biden's brain dead. So <laughs> <laughs> we're in a tough time. <laughs> we're all in this together. <laughs> uh, Duncan, I think this one caught your eye uh, in Axios about flying burritos. It did. Uh, here is uh, from the article. One of the first companies to deliver food by drone in the United States is expanding to Texas, where residents of Granbury outside Dallas, Fort Worth, will be able to satisfy their cravings with a drone dropped meal in about five minutes. Wow. Five minutes. Wow. Um, Wait, fi- that's five minutes from wrapping the burrito to delivery? Yeah, well, they can just yeah. drone it on over. Drone it on wow. over. They don't got to take roads. It's like, you know, what is it the saying? As, as the raven as, flies? No, as the crow flies. As the crow flies. As the crow flies. So direct, you know, direct. Straight you don't, to it. No one's in a car. You know, you just place the order. It's on a drone, and there it's in your stomach. Honestly, I really wish this would have taken off by now. Um, you need this. No, well, I would love this. But like, you can't. You'd have, do you have a window that you can get open? Still, you don't want to go to the lobby. This, this is burritos. This is not caviar. Smug, just, smug, <laughs> smug still complains. It, he treats it like his own personal Vietnam that during the BLM riots in D.C., he was unable to get DoorDash. <laughs> it's like his, he, he I mean, really it speaks does. to total anarchy. <laughs> when the libs just unleashed their shock troops right here. <laughs> think, of, think if you would have had this, pal. I mean, I, it, it's brilliant. It's amazing. 
like w- w- we've seen use of this, like for example, um, uh, in Africa, they'd have uh, medicine and stuff that's sent by drone to like remote areas. I don't know why the hell we don't have this out in large scale by now. I, you know, it's some dumb red tape from the government. Well, this was on 60 way. Minutes oh, like five or six years ago about Amazon. Yeah. Th- that they were going to do this. I remember. Well, so, so this started under a pilot program. Again, here from the article, Flytrex, an Israeli startup already making drone deliveries in North Carolina under a pilot program, is establishing the new outpost in Granbury. Co-founder and CEO Yariv Bash describes Flytrex service as DoorDash, but with drones. Look at that. So once there a, it is. Yeah. Once so again, Israel is leading the way. Yeah. So, they, so they're just, I mean, I guess that's good, but like you got to imagine there's a few malfunctions in that process, right? I mean, they're going to end up dropping a burrito on somebody's head. Depending on where in North Carolina, someone's going to shock on that thing. Well, dude, it's, <laughs> it's not like, I think what you're envisioning is sort of like the claw game, yeah, you know, from the arcade where it's got like that sort of loose like three prong <laughs> claw and it's like holding a chipotle burrito yeah and it's swaying back and yeah, forth that's what i got i'm hoping that's not the case <laughs> you know? like if you're if you're in boone sitting on your porch chilling right around dinner time you see just the drones being like who's in the mood for wings what are you going for tonight burgers <laughs> wings which one are we bringing down? Well, so grab bag. those things. Grab yeah. bag. Bring them on down. Well, so, so in Granbury, they're starting with It's Just Wings, which I think is one of those ghost yeah, kitchen ideas. I think that's right. Which I think is a, another for another day, but a fascinating development in the... In I will. So I will jump in because I was thinking of that. So I've been watching this show on Showtime, Super Pumped, which is yeah. like the story of Uber. And we're talking about how like, oh, you know, you don't get any technological breakthroughs. Like five years ago, Amazon was talking on 60 Minutes about making this happen. And Uber was apparently, like, super close to getting autonomous cars out there. There was the whole, like, thing where they poached the guy from Google who was working on their autonomous cars. And and, and Travis at Uber was... Yeah, I remember this. Poached the dude, and he was like, listen, let's just get the cars out there. Let's get this rolling. And they were super close to getting that to happen until Google just sued the hell out of them. And they had to just, like, tell the guy, they're like, well, you can't work here. And they, well, they didn't, they, they also started a huge PR campaign. I, somebody did, I don't know if it's Google or not, but like anytime these things would hit a curb, you read about it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wait, so, so they blocked it based on like some sort of non-compete. It was, a, it was a something? non-compete. It was a yeah. non-compete. Because they were using Google maps. Well, not Google maps. They were the, the guy who was working on the self-driving cars at Google, they were saying that the technology that he was, t- uh, going to bring to Uber. Was proprietary. Was proprietary yeah. that he had developed it at Google uh, and it's yeah. Google's property. And the guy was like, dude, this is stuff I came up with in my head. Like, you yeah. can't just control, like, my ideas I have for, for cars. And they're like, well, and actually, that was it? we're Google. And we, we can afford lawyers to say that, yes. We can oh control your gosh. head. And, and, and they're like, we're going to sue the shit out of you unless you just, like, don't hire this guy. And that guy can't do anything, you know? Like, they're like, no one can hire him. Wow. So I guess my, my real question in this article is uh, what meal would you think is so critical that you would want it delivered by drone? Like you needed it immediately. What's not? What's not? What's not? Have you Mm -hmm. ever ordered a meal that you don't want immediately? I'm saying what ranks number one Mm. in your repertoire when you're like, I'm starving. (laughs) Like what's the thing that you absolutely have to have in five minutes delivered by a drone? Dude, I would take McDonald's. I mean, hot off the grill, fresh wrapped, Delivered within minutes? I mean, get out of here. I mean, it's designed to last like 20 years. <laughs> McDonald's burger? 
but, it's, I'd but say it's so good it's when it's hot. It's so good when it's fresh. I'd say fajitas. I wonder if they could get it still like popping and sizzling. Well, see, that's the, see, see, smug gets this. So I, smug is smart. Well, I was gonna say, I was gonna say any seafood, right? Something that you would normally think could travel well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anything, okay. anything in a seafood variety to me, I can't have anything seafood delivered because it either sits with something that's, that's right. warm. Or it just, you know, like the process of it warming, it just, it, by the time it gets to you, you're right. like, you can't have it, right? right? I don't care if you're talking shrimp or a lobster roll, whatever yep. it is, ultimately it's taken too long for that mm-hmm. to show up on your plate. What yeah. would you say, old man? Jeez. Well, I think the number one thing that doesn't travel well are like apps. Mm. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, an app so like, do like well. a dip. So, so like Nachos see, have turned to soup by the time they roll Exactly, up. right. So yeah. like... The, the place that has the best nachos mm-hmm. that would be a good one to drone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> good one to it's drone. like the Obama <laughs> policy. <laughs> we got a wedding. It's, it's like I'm a drone. <laughs> <laughs> or like you were saying seafood, like calamari. Like yeah. A really good calamari. You could never door dash. Never that. door dash. You'd get it no. be completely soggy. Like a blooming onion. Oh. Oh. Think about oh. that. A little outback toss I would, out. I would drone a blooming onion. No doubt. I like this idea. I hope it comes to fruition. And you know, so so I have a crazy one. So I think, you know, ironically, of all the foods, I don't think pizza travels well, especially especially in New York. Like it'll take take you about forty five minutes for the pizza to arrive, right? Mm-hmm. And it's had forty five minutes of sweating in that box. You get it. Maybe the driver took like a, a, a had to hit the brakes, sharp turn the things like sideways when it's arrived. Oh, it's a totally different experience if you go to the restaurant for it, but like. Every like decent pizza place in New York's got like a forty-five minute line, so you're screwed either way. Yeah, right. As a new uh, Biden administration proposal that came out uh, at the end of last week from the CDC, which reversed a public health border restriction that happened under COVID. It was basically an emergency uh, situation where the Department of Homeland Security and CDC would not be processing asylum claims because there's a pandemic. Of course. Of course that's the case, right? Right. Well, they've now pulled that all together because the terror that people are experiencing at our southern border wasn't quite sufficient enough. We've now decided to add another 170,000 people uh, who are awaiting asylum uh, to begin inundating the southern border. It is wild, and we talked about this on Megyn Kelly Again, highly recommend you go to our YouTube page and check out, uh, you know, that episode that's live there now. But the pandemic is over at the border, according to the Biden administration, because they're lifting this Title 42. Yeah. Right. But it's not over for toddlers in New York City. No, they still have, have to mask. wear masks. They still have to think mask. about how fucking psychotic that is. State of the Union. No masks. Right. Kids in school. Oh, they absolutely should be masked. Yeah. Insane. I- and and and. and what this administration has done at the border, I mean, there's no words to describe how it's horrible. criminal. It, it, record record numbers of encounters. Insane, insane. What's going on? And, and and the projections they have for the number of folks who are going to be entering once this is gone. It's the same thing all over again. Is when every Dem uh, on stage at their primary, when they're like, if if, if an uh, uh, illegal immigrant arrives, would you support them getting like free health care and everything else? Every single dem on that stage raise their hands. Right. This is going to have the same effect of where they're like, all right, folks, restrictions are gone. Hop on over. You're fine. We will not stop you. That's the message that's being relayed. And, and you're going to see just an, and, and, and beyond how illegal it is, it's absolutely inhumane 
because they're going to create a crisis. Right. They're basically saying to every human trafficker, coyote out there, hey, business is back open. Start smuggling those kids. Exactly. Start abusing people. That's the message that's being sent. It's also a tacit admission about where people are coming from, right? When you have, when you're processing asylum claims, these are not migrant workers from Mexico looking for work. That's not what that is. An asylum claim is someone who can make a legitimate claim that they are being oppressed in their country, their threats to their lives, their family, their livelihoods, and they are seeking asylum from the United States in order to basically survive. Like that's how successful asylum claims are processed, right? They would still have you believe, liberals would have you believe that this is basically a bunch of migrant workers looking to like do jobs Americans won't do. Right. Nonsense. Well, I mean, that's the thing is like, Nonsense, you know, right? It, I mean, by, by, by tacit admission, what we're talking about here. Well, that's, no, 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 Holmes, that is impossible. And that is impossible because Vice President Kamala Harris <laughs> went to Central America to, to take on the root causes of this migration crisis. Yes. I was under the impression it was solved. Well, she's, she's, she's done, done a bang up job. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that like, you know, you said with the, 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 the asylum claim, they're saying that their government is, you know, oppressing them. They're being silenced. You know, uh, they can't, you know, uh, the economy's gone to hell. It's like, well, we should tell them, folks, it's happening here. This administration specializes in Welcome that. Welcome to paradise, yeah. brother. <laughs> I can't tell you you're finding the, you know, it's, it's not the ideal situation. I was really waiting for the payoff there. I knew it would be good. Here's, here's your Twitter account. Yeah. Welcome aboard. Yeah. <laughs> like, it'll be gone shortly if you disagree with this regime. But listen to just a couple. Let me just recap a couple of things. So CDC... Uh, said it's it's due to complete its review Wednesday of Title 42 public health order that has been in effect since March uh, 2020. Um, and the agents rapidly expel where they expel most of the border crossers, uh, which, by the way, I don't believe they've done. Um, but that's I, we'll talk I don't about. believe and I don't believe anything you hear from them. No, but border authorities have used Title 42 to send at least one point seven million migrants back to Mexico uh, or other home countries. Uh, without giving them a chance to seek asylum under U.S. law. This returns all of that. That's 1.7 million, guys. 1.7 million is a very, very, very big number. Huge. I mean, we have an incredible crisis, and we were talking about this with Megyn Kelly. There is nothing compassionate about this border policy. There is no human rights element to this border policy. What you're telling people who have absolutely a hopeless life is that there is hope in the United States and you should just come here and we'll figure it out. I mean, that's what this, these policies do, except then they get to the border and find overrun facilities, unable to take care of even the basic human needs. They're shipping people all over this country. This is to say nothing of like the sovereignty aspect and the economic impact on American taxpayers. This is like just basically the human rights condition that these people who are operating under the impression that they are going to something better find themselves in. I think what we've learned in the last year is that Democrats are actually pretty bad at government, which is surprising <laughs> because they claim that they are the party of government. No, they love it the most. They, it's their religion. They're they, very, very bad at it. Also, to put that number you know, into focus where they say 1.7 million have been turned away, the population of D.C. is like 700,000. We're t- we're, Holy cow. You know, that's like two and a half times the population of D.C. has that's been turned away. 
Oh, it's just incredible. Of course, Schumer is all over the quote saying what a great idea it is. What an unbelievable. Well, in New York, you know, like they've got that program where they're trying to have uh, illegal aliens vote. So oh, yeah, he's so like, oh, yeah. Let's let's run up the numbers. They've really developed some synergies. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna like, s- great idea. Yeah. We're gonna see a, a, an about. earmark for a high speed rail from from the border to New York City here right. shortly. Unbelievable. Um, all right, I have to talk about this because I just saw it right before we started the show. Uh, there's a apparently a, a rapper. Uh, his name is Gunu. I'm in, unfamiliar with his work, but. Evidently, a young, very young man, 24, tragically killed a couple of weeks ago, which uh, he lives in, lived in D.C., uh, you know, as p- part of the community, apparently. Um, anyway, his fans put together a, a rave in his honor. Like at a nightclub? Yeah, at a local nightclub. That's not, that's and this a, all sounds nothing, like okay, okay, nothing no. unusual about a party in in honor of you know. Remember a buddy, a no. celebration of life. That's exactly right. It's a nice thing to do. Yeah, right. So Bl- what, what Bliss was, Nightclub. What so was, they invited their guests, and their guests showed up, and they had <laughs> Gnu, uh, an embalmed Gnu, standing in the middle of the nightclub. Wait, <laughs> wait, like his the bo- real body? His body. This is the craziest photo I've seen. Was it? In my wait, life. was he in a? Was he in a casket? No, no. They had they. Oh man, this Hold is on. so messed up. I'm, it it I'm looks cl- like Madame Tussauds. They've it got does. him like they got him in a hoodie and his like hand in his pocket. This is insane. <laughs> it looks just like Madame Tussauds. What a great line, Smug. <laughs> Madame Tussauds. I mean, you don't have to see this photo. Brilliant. It looks like Madame Tussauds. It's insane. <laughs> Why would they do this? Folks, when, Thought I, the commentary when, is I, when I die, cremate my body. Like, the libs want to drag me through the streets to begin with. Don't prop me up for a party. Nothing. You know, I want to be ashes and gone. This is horrific. There's there's an old country song, Prop Me Up Beside the Jukebox If I Die. Because <laughs> I don't know if any of you guys remember that song, but this is sort of the This is really the different version. <laughs> this is unbelievable. This is the wildest interpretation of that song. This is I I told I, I, it is horrific. I told that's a wild interpretation. I told I told Hollywood Head about this because I figured it it sort of fit into her genre. Uh, she was unfamiliar with his work, uh, but but all she could say to me was, uh, "This is how we know Jesus is coming." <laughs> <laughs> this is—I can't even imagine how somebody decided. I mean, he's he, the picture. You got to see it. It's on the the sun, so you got to go to the sun, uh, the website. Uh, his and, his name is spelled G O O N E W. I'm sure if you Google yeah, it, Gunu. I mean, my. God, and there's video of people like dancing cheering. around. Oh my God, dancing around. It's him. almost like that that meme of like went to my hater's funeral just to make sure he's dead. Like, <laughs> Jeez, well, I mean, like even if you were against the guy, you'd be there celebrating. Like, this is a very mixed message. Proof positive that he is in fact God. Uh, the District of Columbia has taken a real turn in the last I mean, couple of years. Seriously, I think it's an understatement. The restaurants are closed. This has to break some laws. Crime this this is cannot up. be. Oh my god! Let me just say, if I meet my untimely end, I'd like you to embalm me and have a party around me. It's. I mean, this is. Horrific. Is that is that too much? To if ask? it's good enough for Gnu, it's good enough for you. That's exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly right. I'd like to be embalmed and sat in the middle for to make everyone as uncomfortable as they possibly can be. I'm sure that somewhere back in the generations, our forefathers did something similar. <laughs> 
I'm sure. I mean, it's just it's it, it's something else. You know what? Like, uh, it just occurred to me. You know, whenever you have like a very, you know, extremely highly respected person, they like lay in, in state in, in the capital rotunda. That's exactly right. Yeah, maybe. We I guess it's kind of like the you know the youngsters. We can replace of that. We can replace Statuary Hall altogether. <laughs> it can just be bodies. Should have been like RBG in- propped up in the corner. Everyone just raving out instead oh. of statues. <laughs> Real life, it's it's Bodies. the real skin. <laughs> oh God, it's just awful. Uh, <laughs> all right, one more one more piece of of news here. Um, this story was from the Smithsonian Mag, which I found fascinating. Um, and here's the lead of it: For all intents and pur- purposes, a totally normal couple living in the New Mexico suburbs, except for one thing: they had stolen a painting worth $160 million and was hanging on their bedroom door. Wait, is this a Hunter Biden original? <laughs> it, was a, it was a Willem de Kooning. Like, this is oh, wow. a big ticket item here. A big ticket item. So they got a picture of this painting, which I can't believe is worth $160 million. It's but a again, de Kooning. You know, it is a de Kooning, so I guess it, it is what it is. Uh, if you have any questions about that, you should go to Masterworks and check that out. Yeah, right. I mean, th- that seems like a way better idea than this. Like, you don't have to commit a felony to you get don't a piece of the action. It's a good tagline. This is. I would just like to clarify for our listeners: this is not a sponsored segment. No, but I think Smug just gave them the best tagline ever. Masterworks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You don't have to commit a felony to get on it. So here, here's the here's the thing she was a retired speech pathologist and he was a retired music teacher and the couple purported double lives as high stakes art thieves that made headlines ever since prized painting was identified as missing uh de in 2017 this is so cool i think this is this is like a movie so i've watched some some documentaries on on like high stakes art theft yeah and it's actually fascinating Mm -hmm. stuff i mean there the was mar- that New York gallery that uh, years yeah back, that was the was one just like that was the one Ooh, that I, they they were just selling fraud you know fake paintings nonstop right and it's everybody like, was like along for the take yep like the gallery that's the thing the, ar- the archivist the obviously the person yeah it's fascinating one of the best one of the best shows on this um, just not to go too far down a rabbit hole but there's this Netflix series uh, called Lupin have you guys seen this it's know. about this guy who is an art thief who's who is in who's basically modern day France based off of this famous French art thief it is it's it is a great show just watch a few episodes just oh, recommendation good plug well, well I mean so so it says here that they had the the painting on the on their bedroom door like, yeah, it gets wild. I mean, you can't put it in the living room, you know, because p- people will be like, what the hell? You'll be like, hey, isn't that a $160 million painting? Great. You know, it, it, it's incredible, but I, I think that's the best place for it. <laughs> because here's the thing is they're both in on it, you know? It's like some Bonnie and Clyde. Right. It's like our little secret. Kind of situation. Yeah. Like, shout out to this, like, married couple. They're, like, retired, stealing de Koonigs, keeping that love life rolling. <laughs> I mean, so, so I, want, I want to get through a little bit of this stuff because the couple had never been officially linked to the artworks theft from the University of Arizona Museum of Art. According to a statement from the university, a man and woman entered the museum around 9 a.m. Uh, November 29, 1985. While the woman spoke with a security guard, the man went up to the second floor where he cut the Koenig's uh, painting from its frame, mm-hmm. rolled it up, and hid it under a garment. 
Mm. Seems it seems like fairly primitive in terms of um, that's how you do it. I mean, this was like how they did it in the Thomas Crown affair. Yeah, yeah. Also, another great well, movie. The, another great film. The pair quickly left the museum 15 minutes after arriving with the stolen pain in tow, lacking solid leads. Two years after the theft, the FBI uh, added uh, it to its its list of of stolen artworks. But so this was an entirely like unsolved crime. Right up until the point where uh, an antique dealer acquired the contents of the altar's house for $2,000 after she died, after Rita died. And when he hung up uh, the painting in his store, numerous customers told him they thought it could very well be a real de Koenig. Wow. Right? So at that point, the dude's like, oh, what do I have here? And they're like, oh, it's a $160 million painting. What was, the, what was the name of the painting, Holmes? I can't say it. It's name unpronounceable. <laughs> I, I saw it already. You just skipped over. It's woman Ocher, you know, like the, the, the earth tone color. Well, that's why like you're the, here. You, you can have so, so precise so international culture. pronunciation. I showed up to dunk so on the What a fucking ass. <laughs> smug, smug, <laughs> smug, I think that, that means this question is for you. So if you could steal any priceless work of art, what would it be? Oh, man, that is a great question. Really good question. I think it would be David, the statue. Oh, Ooh, that would be something. The just, Houdini, the whole just thing? Just the penis. <laughs> that's what he'd take. I mean, I think that's, that's a hell of a question. <laughs> that's what he'd take. It was like, um, what was what was that painting? I can't remember the name of it. The one that um, I think it sold at auction for like $200 million years ago. It, it was like a private bid, never gave away who purchased it. And then uh, years later, it was on uh, what was his name, Mohammed bin Salman, the 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 young oh, yeah, Saudi the, prince. It yeah. was on his yacht, oh, in the yacht, on the yacht. Oof, keeping so, two hundred mil. So that's what you would do, Mona Lisa. All of a sudden, yeah, it shows yeah. up on your. Boat. I mean, that's the thing is, I, if you're stealing art, I do it for the impact. Like whatever would just really piss people off and just like. But could you tell people you had it? David might fall into that. Game. Oh, of right, course not. Right, David. Right. It's like uh, if you go to um, the Louvre, you know. It's basically just a beeline in between people who go see the Mona Lisa, then they'll just run see David, and then they'll just go, you know, go get a coffee. That's all they're after, you know? I'd steal one of those. <laughs> Something to ruin their day. <laughs> <laughs> like, nope, you got one stop now. Incredible. Not two. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, should we play a game? Let's play a game. Ice, what do we got? Uh, let's play Claim to Fame. Ooh, wow. Nice. Don't you know who I am? Brainworm takes forever You're gonna like my post Most I feel engagement forever Broken brain takes with no shame Queen Hot takes up to 11 Saving Joe Biden from blame Queen It's gonna live forever Ronnie remember my It's nice to hear Hollywood Hen's voice. It is. It's good. So for our new listeners, just a reminder here of how this game works. Uh, Ron Klain, White House Chief of Staff, is a prolific retweeter. Uh, He's not very judicious with his retweets, Mm -mm. uh, which provides a lot of content here for the Variety Program. So I'm going to read four tweets three of which have been retweeted by White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain, one which has not. Josh and Smug have to pick the one that was not 
retweeted again by the White House chief of staff. It's incredible. <laughs> this is the hardest game. Yeah. It's a hard game. Uh, okay. So statement number one. This tweet is from Midas Touch. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, this uh, left wing I, I, influencer pack. Yeah, I think maybe that's right. that's a fair mm-hmm. statement. President Biden, this is on the uh, Biden's Ukraine speech. Pe- President Biden gave the speech of a lifetime today. He truly is the right person for this moment. Statement number two. This is a tweet from Ruth Marcus from the Washington Post. Washington Post. Washington. This is on uh, the SCOTUS confirmation. The sad goal of the modern day confirmation hearing is not to illuminate, but to tarnish my latest. Yeah, yeah, that's so classic. In her in in her piece, you you learn that actually it's Republicans who are to blame. Oh, shocker. Who'd have guessed? Yeah. Yeah. Was is that the same one that we've treated her worse than Democrats treated Kavanaugh? It's it's all the same bullshit. Yeah. You know, that's how Janice Rogers Brown, like she she wasn't the right Mm African-American woman. Right. To be on the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. You know, all that stuff. (laughs) Okay, so this one's a little complicated. Rob Reiner. First, first tweets. It's long past time that we acknowledge the sure handed, effective grace under fire success of Joe Biden's presidency. That is then quote tweeted by Strike Pack. Oh, my God, which is the outfit by that Rachel Bitkofer. Yeah. Oh, no. uh, Who then uh, quote tweets it. And it's just. 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100. <laughs> Strike back. I mean, that has to take the cake. Oh, please tell me that's not it. And Steve, this is my favorite. <clears throat> Whew. Uh, this tweet is from Ron Klain himself. What a week. Wait, wait. No, no, no. You're alleging misuse. I might be alleging misuse of the internet. <laughs> oh uh, what a week! Historic unemployment report. These these all have these all have the green check mark emoji. Historic unemployment report down to three point six percent. Second booster approved. COVID hospitalizations at lowest level of the pandemic. Bipartisan support for Jackson confirmation. New budget with key investments at lower oh. deficit. That budget's never going to become fucking law, dude. No, it was laughed, <laughs> laughed out of Congress. POTUS signed anti-lynching bill, as if lynching wasn't already illegal. Yeah, uh, anti-lynching is my favorite. So it's- that's that's the tweet from Ron Klain. Oh man! And again, for our new listeners, what you have to determine here, Josh and Smug, is did Ron Klain retweet himself? So let me. Can I? Um, let me just add, I have a, just a, a technical question. Okay. Is this just a simple, if he were to have done it, yeah. it's a simple retweet. It's not like, did he quote tweet it? It would be, it would be anything that qualifies here. Is a retweet. It's just a straight it's retweet. It's a straight retweet. Okay. All right. Straight Good retweet. Good question. Okay. It's not like, you know, coming over the top for a clarification. Yeah, right, right. That's what I was, that's what I was. No, thinking. it's, this is so important. It needs to be Twice. shared again. <laughs> 
Misuse. I'm gonna. Mm. I'm gonna secretly transmit. Yeah. So at this oh. point, Smug needs to. Okay. Smug has transmitted what he thinks his answer or the correct answer is. Okay. I, I'm. I'm wrapped around the axle a little bit on this because okay. it's tough. Let, this is an incredibly difficult one. Let me just say, like, so the Ruth Marcus take is 100 percent his take. Right. I mean, that's basically. You're talking about number two? Yeah. So, so number two, when she talks about the Supreme Court and whatever the Republicans prosecuting the argument against her. Well, and this administration is staffed by former demand justice. Oh, yeah. Staffers, the yep. left-wing dark left money wing group. dark money, bought and paid for. It. Right, that believes in court packing and stuff. So, yeah. But I feel like the Rob Reiner strike pack thing is so unique that like ordinarily I would say that that can't there's no way he had a strike pack RT from the White House <laughs> right I mean for so many reasons but because it's Ron Klain you got to keep that in the discussion right and then Midas touch is somebody that if you were a sensible person you would certainly never retweet anything I mean they, they have like the most crazy takes on the internet the way I kind of like tackled it is, is like, you know, if you're taking a standardized test, I think those two questions, those two paired well, because like if he had to have either retweeted Midas or Strike Pack. Yeah, exactly. So he's that nuts. He's you that can nuts. Establish he is that nuts. So the question actually comes down to, does he blow over Ruth Marcus because it's just the White House take? That's like what they were doing all week last week. And is she not the RT, or is it one of two of those clowns? Because I firmly believe you misused the internet. (laughs) I firmly believe that. What a week. You've seen right through me. So, so, so yeah, I I established, I was like, yeah, he definitely retweeted himself. I wouldn't have included it if he didn't. (laughs) I'm glad you did, because he deserves to be called out for being that terrible. He RT'd himself. It's so bad. It's so bad. Oh my gosh, I'm really having a hard time. I don't remember the last game we played where I'm having this hard of a time. I think, um, boy, the Rob Reiner one is unique enough that, like, I just would would the judge and jury go find a Rob Reiner and strike pack RT? It's like the human centipede of shit. Just like you have Rob Reiner feeding strike pack feeding Ron Klain. It's just like. Bad takes all the way, just absolute shit. So I, I I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with he did not. RT number one, the Midas touch. Ooh. I went with uh, he did not RT number two because I think Duncan is trying to like Ruth mind Marcus game us. us. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So just working from the bottom here, number four. Yes, Ron Klain did RT himself, just to get a little extra juice underneath it. Okay. Incredible. Yeah. Ron Klain did, in fact, RT strike pack. I would. That's <laughs> just unbelievable. I would point out. I would point out here. He's RTing this from a government account. Oh yeah. He's RTing this from the White House Chief of Staff account. Not only did he RT strike pack, he also RTed the original Rob Reiner, Reiner tweet. No, no, a misuse. I mean, if he's out here retweeting packs, we should have what? What is it? The the marshal of the Supreme Court go take him into custody? Like, <laughs> yeah, I thought. Where's that old hatch act? Yeah. That would dredge up every five minutes on the Trump administration. So we're down to number one and number two. Yeah. Midas Touch or Ruth Marcos. 
Smug is correct. Ruth Marcus was not retweeted. Unbelievable. He retweeted Midas Touch. Unbelievable. It is wild, though, that he would retweet Strike Pack and Midas Touch. I know. That's what I'm saying. I and was not like, Ruth Marcus. It's got to be one of the two, the right? Key, the key there was just what is the most awful option possible. He'll he do it. He did it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. Oh, it's so this, true. You know what? This game is illuminated more than anything else. There's no way that you can possibly articulate how terrible Ron Klain actually is in any other way than Klain to fame. Right. Because it is so, it's so, per- to think for a second that the White House chief of staff, the person who's responsible for the entire administration, the entire administration's agenda, the execution of every single thing that the Biden administration does is focused on Midas Touch and Rob Reiner and Strike Pack. There is a government device, a government cell phone oh. that has his government Twitter account on it that RTs this shit. Oh, that's a wild. I mean, this is not normal, folks. <laughs> do, I mean, you remember when Trump would 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 like RT that account with like 250 followers or something like like some random thing and yeah. everybody would freak out about it? Yes. This is a thousand times worse he than that. He does it every day. This is a thousand times worse than that. These people are like certifiable psychopaths. Right. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. What a game. What a game. Don't you know who I am? Remember my name. Clean. Brainworm takes forever. You're gonna like my post most. I feel engagement forever. Broken brain takes with no shame. Queen! Hot takes up to 11. Saving Joe Biden from blame. Queen! It's gonna live forever. Ronnie, remember my name. Remember, 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 remember. That's so good. It's so good. Well, fellas, we're gonna have it. We got a big week. We got a bunch of big weeks coming up. Uh, we've got the finale of Hack Madness coming up. That's it's right. just a lot of excitement going on. That's right. And you know what? At the end of the day, another banger of an episode, gentlemen. I mean, that was one of my favorite Clean of Fames. That was just incredible. So Overall, good. just a great episode. Great episode, fellas. Incredible episode. Outstanding work. So until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Thursday. Stay ruthless.